And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Thanks for joining Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. This is take three of the podcast. Uh, when I first did the promo, Anthony LaPanta, uh, I joked on there that Anthony LaPanta would be joining one or ten times, and you are the first repeat guest. What a uh, Straight from the Source. I know. Uh, and we're only halfway through the season. Um, it, and it, I, I swear to God, Anthony isn't like a fallback plan here. Ash, you wanted Anthony to come on here a second time because um, Hockey Day Minnesota is coming up. The Wild just got the Winter Classic as well. Um, we got trade deadline coming up. And I just always like shooting the breeze with you about hockey. And if you're listening to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, please uh, subscribe to The Athletic or consider it at theathletic.com slash straight from the source. That will get you in at 40% off. Um, Anthony, uh, first of all, how's Phil? Phil's good. He's still struggling. He's still Phil, but he's, <laughs> he's doing all right. He has a tendency to eat garbage and whatever else he can find and you know then we wind up cleaning up after him somewhere around the house but phil's doing fine he's cleanly groomed and you know he's he's still functioning my favorite i think i said this on the first podcast with you which by the way if you haven't listened to that one that was one of my first ones we did in nashville uh earlier this season uh back when they had a uh a coach named Peter Laviolette. Today they have John Hines. A lot of change. A lot of uh, things have changed since then. Um, but that podcast very much, uh, definitely one I suggest that you listen to as well. But we talked about Phil a lot on that podcast. Uh, still one of my favorite animals that I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's only one uh, Phil. Yeah, exactly. Um, Stan, uh, Hockey Day Minnesota. Uh, it's coming up here at the end of the month. 
Um, it's it's really three or four days of really cool stuff that they're doing. This time, the host city is Minneapolis. It's at Parade Ice Gardens. The festivities really start January 16th. The hockey day is January 18th, right. correct? Right. Um, and uh, one of the cool things about this hockey day is you are actually – well, let me just give the schedule real quick. And if you don't know the schedule or, or information about hockey day, go to thewild.com slash hockey day. But on January 16th, uh, Holy Angels plays Minneapolis Girls at 6 p.m. And on January 16th at 8 p.m., uh, Green Rapids Greenway, Grand Rapids Greenway plays uh, Blake Girls. Then on uh, January 17th, a really cool thing they're doing at 6 p.m., the State of Hockey Women's All-Star Game. And at Friday, January 17th, also an hour and a half later at 7.30 p.m., the NHL Alumni Game. Wes Walls and Ryan Carter picked the teams the other day. Uh, Tom Chursky and Paul Broughton, I believe somebody else, are coaching the games. And uh, everybody from Mike Madonna is playing and Matty Hendricks to Ryan Great Carter, Stefan Veyu. I mean, it is funny. Stefan Veyu is the guy that he's the d- dark horse in a, in a game like that. He absolutely dominates when he's in those three and three, uh, four and four games at Braemar. Well, and West Walls will not accept <laughs> a minus. We've been giving him grief about that already. He will be he'll be working out every day between now and then to make sure that that night he can go against the other team's best guy, <laughs> and he will not be scored upon while on the ice. Mike Greenlee will be one of the two goaltenders. Yes, that's it always is, fun. Yeah, there was a little him. controversy in the draft because Ryan Carter decided to pull a fast one. He had selected one of the goaltenders, and then selected the other goaltender a couple rounds later so that he had all leverage and would be able to force a trade with Wes at a later moment because Wes didn't have any goaltenders. So he that's – Finally, know, Wes, Karts, I'm sure, Karts is a blew it up. Guy. Yeah, they, well, he blew up yeah. and blew up saying he couldn't do it. And But Cart said, hey, there's nothing that says I can't draft yeah, both of them. Show me the rules. Right. Show me the collective bargaining and agreement. So then uh, there was a trade executed, so each team does have a goaltender. What was the trade? I don't even know what the trade was, but I know that Wes wound up with Mike Greenlay on his team. So <laughs> that I, it must have been the asking price for Greenlay to must me, have been you have lower all the leverage. The, you got to get Madonna in that trade. And I, I don't know who he got, but apparently the asking price for Greenlay was lower than the asking price for Connor Beaupre because <laughs> it'll be Connor Beaupre on Team Carter. That's funny. And then Saturday, January 18th, which is Hockey Day, 9.30 a.m., War Road versus Minneapolis Boys. Um, at 1 p.m., Blaine versus Blake. That'll be really cool. Right in front of the Blake School, right? Um, is, is, is That's Blake School, right? Not Breck. Blake uh, is right by Parade. It's close, yeah. yeah but it's um, – yeah, I wouldn't say it's, like, in the neighborhood. So what's the school right up the hill on, uh, from Parade Ice Garden? I thought that was Blake. Uh, no, it's not Blake, but it's but okay. it's it'll be a it'll be a cool environment for Blake and uh, really a, I'm looking forward to it. For me, I'm just thrilled I get to call one of the yeah. high school games. I and got, you're doing that one? I'm doing that one. I I got to call both of them when it was at Stillwater because it was close enough where I could get to excel on time. And in this case, that's the only one I'm going to do. Uh, we've got somebody else coming in to do the first high school game and the women's college game that right. day. But I'm going to call the Blaine Blake game, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. I, I love being able to be a part of the outdoor portion of the day. And the 4.30 p.m. game, Ohio State versus uh, the Gophers women, Brad Frost team, and then 8 p.m., uh, the uh, big game of the day, uh, Wild versus Dallas Stars, Anthony doing the doubleheader. Um, t- tell me about Hockey Day. I mean, you've, done, you've been a part of this from the inception, right? been a part of it from the inception and I've been a part of it in every single possible role mm-hmm. imaginable and and I was a part of the early discussions about how the day could work and what it would look like and what it could include and so then the very first year the it was just one outdoor game up on Badette Bay and 
than a gopher game and a wild game. And they asked me if I would be the studio host from the XL Energy Center. So I hosted all day from like 9 a.m. until 11 o'clock at night. I was at the desk at Excel, and I can remember my boss at the time, you know, well, still my boss, but Mike Diamond coming to me and saying, you know, this is the role we, mm-hmm. we that we feel is really critical to the day. And I was a little disappointed because I was like, I'd rather go up and do the game in Bidet. And he said, no, 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 this is the spot where we need you. And when I hosted for the day, and I mean, we threw, we had – tremendous number of features and you know it's evolved now to where there's more games during the day then it was just three games and a ton of hockey stories so I hosted there it was almost like a permanent rain delay for you it it was a little (laughs) bit yeah without the tarp and so then the second year they decided that they were going to do more of the event from the site so the second year I went up to Bidette and I did the high school games on Bidette Bay and then we were going to host a big portion of the day from there rather than there was a presence at Excel Energy Center all day, but there was not the like the portion of the main desk was going to be from Bidette as the night went on because we wanted to show what was still happening at the site. They were having a bonfire and they were having parties. And mm-hmm. now, of course, it ended up being 22 below zero and, you know, minus 65 wind chills. So that changed what was going to happen there mm-hmm. during the night. But. You know, so it's it's gone from there to then. I was I was at the site a few times. I was doing the high school games when it was on the east side of St. Paul, which was awesome. And same thing, we kind of hosted a big part of the night from there. Then I became the play-by-play guy for the University of Minnesota Gophers. So I now my role was to call the play-by-play for the college game. And so a couple of years, I did the Gopher games, and we had you know some roundtable discussions with that we also had one of the years i did one of the high school games at minnetonka and then went to do the gopher game and then my role changed to become the play-by-play man for the minnesota wild so now i've handled it from the nhl side and and as i mentioned when it was at stillwater i got to do both i got to go do the high school games at stillwater and the wild game at night so i've really seen it from every possible spot along the way and it's been great it's unbelievable the way it has grown and then you mentioned the schedule for this year it's become a three-day event with all these other games going on and at the site and big parties and concessions and, and apparel I mean it's really just turned into something that's I think beyond even what any of us thought it might be when we first started the the host cities the host communities the they've done just such a tremendous job of of building this into what it is and and I, I think it's great it's now you got like youth teams that say well we do this every hockey day it's our hockey day tradition we play outside or we do a mothers and sons game or something and every time I hear that there's just a little bit of me that you know it's kind of a warm feeling to it because you think this was just a bunch of guys sitting around a table saying hey what if we did this yeah. and it's turned into we call it Minnesota's hockey holiday and I think it's a legitimate title because there are so many people for whom it is a, a big day, a special day, and, and I just I hope we can continue to expand it, continue to grow it, continue to thrive in these in showcasing how hockey impacts so many families and lives all over the state. As I remember I uh, did a, about a month and a half ago, I did a feature on Jake Brank, who's the only Minnesota-born referee in the NHL, and I was talking to his dad, 
Matt, who is the uh, mayor of Detroit Lakes, and he was joking around that he's like, man, we would give anything to have that up here as well. Uh, but obviously quite the uh, process to get to one win the bid, but then you have to put it together. Obviously need a lot of community support, and this was a Fox Sports North invented holiday, uh, which is pretty neat. And this is the 14th annual uh, Minnesota Hockey Day. Uh, the 15th is going to be announced pretty soon in a really cool city as well. Um, I know somebody is going to be very excited about that. Um, so let me ask you about it. Like, what what is your favorite part of the actual, actual day? Because I can tell you from my perspective, because I watch it on TV, because I very rarely get to actually go to the high school games. It is the features. I just think that FSN does an amazing job with these these features. Yeah, and the Minnesota Wild have a part of that too. That that they're they're a big part of some of those stories. And every year. There's so many good stories that get left out because we just don't have time to, to do justice to them and to fit them all in. And, you know, the, it back, going back to the very first edition of Hockey Day, when it, was, when it was three games and we were on the air for 12 hours, we had a lot more time and did a lot more of those kind of stories. I think the stories are great. And the, the human interest type stories and the, the, the people that create hockey in their little area, their little way, their, how they've adapted it, how it's impacted a family, how it's helped a family through a tough disease or, or tough emotional period or a tough period of loss. I think all those stories are amazing. And I still have a soft spot for high school hockey in Minnesota. I absolutely love high school hockey in this state. I love the way it, the, the traditions that are included, the way guys look back on those years finally, the way that, that it impacts so many people in so many ways. And so I just love watching the high school games. I love the settings. Matt Gangles, our director for these games, John Stroh, our producer, these are guys that are, the, they are at the top of their profession. They're the best of the best in the NHL or Major League Baseball, and they're coming back to do this high school game. So the, the pictures they capture and the, the way they tell the story through the, the video presentation of the day, I think is is second to none. And you just get that, you know, you get the cool, we've had snow, we've had bad weather, we've had unbelievable cold, and, and all of those things are a part of it. But So I, I love watching those outdoor games and just, you know, see a chance to showcase, in this case, these four boys high school teams that are that are going to be a part of it. And then, the you know, we're going to have the, the Gopher women playing outside against Ohio State this year. But to me, it's those high school games. Those are my favorite parts. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And um, the uh, – I mean, Gangle, I mean, heck, he does World Series, and then he's coming back to do this. It's pretty cool. Uh, I just have – I found the uh, rosters for the NHL alumni game, if you're interested, the day before Hockey Day on January 17th, 7.30 p.m., which is an hour and a half after the State of Hockey Women's All-Star Game, which is going to be very, very fun as well. Uh, but the uh, Team Minneapolis, coached by Tom Chorsky, has Mike Greenlay, Ben Clymer, Mike Madano, Eric Rasmussen, who might be the fittest guy out there, uh, Gordy Roberts, all right, I take that back about Eric. Uh, Darby Hendrickson is playing as well. Uh, Joe Diedzik, Stefan Veyu, Dave Christian, Sean Chambers, Reed Larson, Jordan Leopold, Rob Stauber, and uh, Wes Walls. Uh, then Team Minnesota Green, so the other one's wearing white. Uh, they're coached by Brad Maxwell and Paul Broughton. Um, Connor Beaupre, uh, that is pretty cool. He's the Wilds' emergency goalie. Uh, Keith Ballard, Paul Martin, Chris Porter, Eric Westrom, Chris McAlpine, heavy on D there. Um, Aaron Broughton, Matt Hendricks, Ryan Carter, Dave Snugarud, 
uh, Mark Parrish, Sean Podine, and Brian Bonin. So pretty fun, uh, definitely, to go out there. And uh, hopefully, Winter Classic next year, Anthony, we have some sort of alumni as well. Uh, there might not be an alumni game, but they're thinking of every, anything from a state of hockey historical luncheon to uh, some sort of luncheon or dinner with NHL alumni as well. Um, how excited are you? Even though you, you know, who, do you remember what during the stadium series your role would have been? Well, I didn't. We didn't have anything to do with the actual game that day because it was nationally televised, as will mm-hmm. this one. For me, I did. I did something live intermission inside the stadium. To yeah, help I remember out that. With some, That's why. Yeah, some interviews or something. I, you know, I who knows whatever they need me to, whatever the wild might need me to be a part of, I'd be a part of. And we did that year. We did the alumni game the night before the North Stars Blackhawks yes. alums. We did televise that game, which was awesome. And so I don't know if we would do something where if there's a college game played there the night before, perhaps we'd televise that or something. I, I really don't know. Bottom line is for the game itself, we wouldn't have a role. I, I, it would be all nationally televised. And I, I, I mean, and that aside, I think it's great for the fans. Mm-hmm. Everybody's excited about it. For me personally, you know, it's, it, it's a day just to go watch the hockey game, I guess. At Target Field, which will be uh, your second home other than XL Energy Center, uh, you do. I spend uh, some nights Yeah, there. yeah, a, b- a bunch of nights. Uh, hopefully it doesn't rain that night. Hopefully we don't get freezing rain on January 1st, 2021. Yeah, if they bring the tarp out that night, <laughs> there's a, we're, we're going to have an intervention. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll, yeah, you might be the jinx. Ugh, the jinxes aren't real, you know yeah. that. The, um, you know, what to me is really cool about that stuff is is uh, obviously the game is going to be fabulous. I truly think it's going to be the St. Louis Blues as the opponent. But the one thing that I'm just looking forward to is the Winter Festival that's going to surround them. I mean, there's just going to be so much stuff to do from fanfares to arts festivals to movie festivals to youth hockey tournaments to most likely a college game. I would think uh, UND uh, Gophers makes a lot of sense. Sure would make sense, especially, wouldn't it? Especially if Dave saves St. Peter uh, having a big say. Uh, the president of the Minnesota Twins. Um, you know, the one thing is funny because Dave St. Peter was really honest in the story that I wrote the other day is that, you know, he does think that outdoor games have gotten a little overdone in the NHL, but that the one thing that has p- kind of surpassed that is the fact that the Winter Classic is still an iconic, iconic thing. And you just saw it. I mean, the Dallas TV ratings were absolutely awesome. Well, and how about the crowd? Yes, I mean, 86,000. I, and I believe me, I'm... There's a, I'm with Dave St. Peter. I think it's it feels to me like if they went back to just one, that it would increase instead of having any of the stadium series. And But when you see something like that happen and you say, well, if who am I to say there's been too many if 80,000-plus show up at the Cotton Bowl to watch the game? Well, then keep doing it. I mean, if, if 80,000 fans are saying we want to go see it, then – it stands to reason you should continue. Yep, absolutely. And I think that Wild fans are going to absolutely embrace this. It was a tough sell when it was at TCF Bank Stadium. Um, and uh, but, but obviously the game itself, the fact that 50,000 eventually packed the place, it was awesome. The alumni game was, was everything – uh, you know, in terms of fun and things like that. And it'll be interesting. It's, it's cool that what comes with this is also a live documentary. So we're going to get to see, you know, kind of uh, 
becoming wild uh, on a new scale because the league will produce that. There's a second documentary that comes with it as well that really surrounds kind of, you know, shows you the behind the scenes of how they put the, this type of game together, uh, the equipment staffs, things like that. And then we'll have, uh, we'll get to see an actual new Jersey as well. The Minnesota wild uh, going into an eventual third Jersey in a couple years next year. Actually, it'll be pretty cool. They're going to have a throwback jerseys. I hear this is what I've been told by sources, throwback jerseys for every single team that this is something the league is putting together. So wouldn't it be cool if, if, if uh, you know, the Wild actually had maybe North Star's colors or something like that? It would be pretty cool because from an old-school standpoint. I um, always thought – I mean, the North Star sweater is still yeah. one of my all-time favorites. I mean, in the thinking back to all the uniforms that teams have worn over the years and some of which have changed many times, there's still very few. And I'm, I'm sure I'm biased because I grew up watching it. But I just loved their the old green and gold sweaters, yeah, and both the white and the green. I just thought it was such a cool, simple logo, and so fitting for for this state. I I'd love to see it if somehow they could somehow they could embrace that. Even though I know it's the franchise that's gone, and and I know that it's different. The Minnesota Wild are totally separated, but there's something for Minnesota hockey fans. Anybody my age or older, probably, that still has that little bit of a tie to it, and I'd love to see him somehow embrace that. Yeah, it's one of my biggest regrets is that I moved here after the Met Center was gone, and I never got to see an actual North Stars home game because you hear so much. Uh, I've been here now for over 15 years. It's pretty uh, – first of all, it's amazing I've been here that long, but, too, the fact that it's a shame that I never got Panthers. to see it. Yeah, I did. Um, speaking <laughs> of the Panthers, by the way um, – there we go. We're taking a little selfie. Just love that. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of the Panthers, by the way, uh, you are listening to Straight from the Source uh, with Michael Russo, theathletic.com slash uh, straight from the source if you want to subscribe. And, and the one cool thing about um, this is, is not only all the articles and videos you get, you get um, podcasts galore. And I was just listening to one of my favorite ones the other day, which is the new Vancast. And that is the Vancouver Canucks. They're, it's one to listen to because they're coming into town here Sunday. And that's with Jeff Patterson and Thomas Drantz, who is the former Panthers PR guy. Uh, so he is now works for the Athletic Vancouver and covers the Canucks for us. So uh, that is pretty cool. So listen to that one as well. By the way, if, if you haven't told – I'm sure you've seen on Twitter, Anthony and I love uh, – well, we love – sometimes we love hanging out. But we love talking hockey and things like that. And if you are interested in a, a cool trip this summer – uh, highly recommend coming out to Europe with us and a bunch of wild fans. We have uh, several signed up already. Uh, we're going to Budapest. We're going to Prague. We're going to Vienna. Um, I believe we're going into Slovakia for a little bit, so maybe we'll find Marion Gabrick. I, th- I bet he'd be excited to see me. The um, schedule looks unbelievable. No, it really does. It's July uh, 9th to the 18th, defineddestinations.com. At least check it out. I'm telling you, uh, the trip is affordable because it covers everything. I mean, everything from most of your food to transportation there to all your uh, uh, tips, gratuities, excursions, buses, transportation, uh, hotels, I obviously. just talked to another guy this morning who yeah. told me that he brought it up to me Un, you know, unsolicited. I'm standing next to him at a coffee shop, and he said, "Hey, aren't you going to Budapest this summer?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Coolest city I've ever seen in my life." Yeah, I can't wait uh, because you know this is my fourth trip that I've done with them. I went to Scotland and Ireland. Then we, then you and I went to Tuscany. Then last year we did Switzerland, we did Germany, and we did Austria. Um, but I've been to most of those places. So what's really exciting to me is that uh, you know I've been to Prague once, but that was for a couple days, and it was with a buddy. So it was like you know. All right, where's the bar? 
<laughs> where this one we're actually going to be doing kind of a bunch of cool uh, stuff. Uh, Vienna, Budapest. Again, the itinerary is on defineddestinations.com. Uh, check it out. Uh, the, I'm looking forward to like the river cruise and checking out uh, Bratislava, which is that old town in Slovakia. Well, Louis Nanny was the one who told us that he said if you the river cruise, he said make sure you do it at night. It'll be one of the coolest things you've ever seen. And, and I when think we are, it's, night, an, it's yeah. an evening deal. Yeah, yeah. Two nights Budapest, three nights Vienna, uh, three nights in Prague. Thirteen meals, beer and wine with all your dinners. Uh, the dinner in the wine village is going to be amazing in Austria. Uh, it's going to be really, really cool. Um, let me ask you about the Minnesota Wild right now. You know, everything was looking so good. You have that exciting, exciting win in Colorado. It was just, uh, it was, it was honestly, I know it was on NBC, but it was probably one of the most exciting hockey games I've covered in years. It was amazing. And then they've come home now. And it's really been, uh, you, know, you know, disappointing. I mean, uh, one, two, and one homestand. You get an overtime, yeah, three points in a weekend, but it doesn't help when you give Winnipeg one point and Calgary two, the two teams directly above you in the, in the, in the standings that you're chasing. Um, where do you make right now this team? Because they obviously, they have, now look, they, they've been dealing with illness. It's been really underwritten, uh, but it's amazing how many guys have been sick. I think all Minnesotans now know uh, what's been going on around this community with the flu and colds and things like that. And when you lead the league and probably children at home, uh, that the sickness flies around this team like rampantly. It's crazy. Yeah, and I think there is some disappointment to the homestand for sure. To me, the one, the the one of the four games that I look at and truly say it was disappointing was the Calgary game. Yeah, Minnesota's better than Calgary. They had them down with less than six minutes to go in the third period. It's the team in front of you in the standings. You have to finish that off, win the game in regulation. Four leads in that game. Right, and finish it in regulation. Leave with two points, them with zero. Now you're tied with them. You'd have been a point out of the playoffs. And instead, not only do you fail to hold the lead, then you lose the game in a shootout, and now you actually have lost ground against them. The others, I, I dismiss a little bit. The New York Islanders came in here and I thought played a near-perfect game mm-hmm. defensively. They were coming off of a, a disappointing performance in Chicago. You could tell there was a little bit of a attention to detail return for them. They had a hard practice the day before. Yeah, and they just came Trotz out. And, and even with that, Minnesota's up one zip going into the mm-hmm. third. And, you know, you, but they couldn't get the separator goal and – then once the Islanders got the lead, they really defended well, and I just that's that's going to happen. Then you face Toronto on New Year's Eve when Toronto was probably playing as well as they've played maybe in years, and I didn't think there was any way Minnesota was going to win that game, not the way Toronto played that night. So I, I dismissed those two a little bit, and just I mean not that you're not that it's ever okay to just say well we couldn't win, we lost that game, but bottom line is that those two are just going to happen sometimes. The Winnipeg game, it was an intense game. Minnesota comes from behind to get the thing into the extra session and wins it. I mean, it kind of felt like they stole a point that night. And then, unfortunately, the so the one to me that I look back and say, that's one that's going to, you're going to be kicking yourself down the stretch if things don't work out the way they do is that Calgary game. And it really puts a tremendous importance on this game in Calgary that's that's coming up later in the week. I, they have to win that game. I don't know. I, I, I look at the team, and they don't look like a, a like Stanley Cup contender. I think that's a. I think anybody would look at it that way. But if you look around the Western Conference right now, 
how many teams look different from everybody else? Maybe, maybe Colorado. I mean, Colorado, I think, does for sure. Maybe St. Louis. I, I'm not positive that I'd look at them and say that's an insurmountable task. And I still think Vegas is the only team in the Pacific that looks like they're capable yeah. of playing at a different level than everybody else. Well, I, I was just looking at the standings. Like, when Arizona's second in the Pacific, right. it's just not a good division. Arizona. The Wild yeah. are 3-0 against them. Right. I mean, Edmonton, yeah. Vancouver, Calgary. Yeah. Dallas, Nashville, none of these teams look different than Minnesota to me. Not not significantly different. They all have holes. They so there's a party that says, well, why not Minnesota? Why couldn't Minnesota be right there in the mix with any of those teams? I mean, they got to get healthy, then they have to stay healthy, and you know, they've had a couple things happen that I think give you reason for optimism. At the top of the list is the emergence of Carson Soucy, which now makes your defensive core one deeper than maybe you thought you had at the start of the season. And then you look at the, at the forward line, and I think the way that Luke Cunnan and Jewel Erickson Eck have emerged as they've been incredibly consistent. They're providing not only reliable checking, but they're providing some offense. I really think that gives you reason for optimism once you get Jason Zucker back and you kind of solidify your top six. So I think those couple things, Marcus Foligno has emerged as, I mean, he's been maybe the most consistent wild player from start to finish this year for what he is. And now he's emerging as a guy that, you know, there's going to be a lot of nights where he can provide something that nobody else on the team provides and little energy, some physicality and you know, he's now shown, if given the opportunity, that he can make a couple plays with the puck. So, I don't know. The I one mean, guy you, but, but you with did. with all that you know, aside, yep. you got to get better goaltending than yes. they've had so far this yep. season. And that's what I was going to ask you about. Yeah, You have to. And your special teams have to be better. And yep. if, if those two things don't happen, I don't see how I don't see how the team makes any noise. Isn't in the it funny, though, that really um, we talked about how Vegas, St. Louis, and, and uh, Colorado look differently. Colorado might be the best of those three, and they have goalie issues. I mean, you know, you can get to Grubauer, and you could certainly get to that Frankie guy that the Wild got to last week. Uh, I mean, he looked like he couldn't stop a beach ball. Um, so they have issues. You know, St. Louis is still, to me, the fact that they are running through this regular season as dominant as they've been and that Bennington is, is providing an encore is very, very impressive. So they still, to me, are the team to beat. Um, and then Vegas has been up and down this year. And the one thing about Vegas is like this could be the year to cross over. Like the Wild play them well, um, although they are a lot like they to me are better than they were when they went to the Cup final. I mean, because since they've added Max Pacioretty, they've added um, uh, Mark Stone, who I thought was the best player on the ice when the Wild were in Vegas a couple weeks ago or a month ago, whenever that was. Um, so they're pretty interesting as well. But you're right. I mean, the, the one guy you didn't mention there when you were talking about all the players was uh, Jordan Greenway. Like, what is going on with him? Because he has been, to me, very, very mediocre lately. Yeah, up and down for sure. Yeah. And he's he's had moments during the course of the season where he's looked like a guy about to take the next step. And he was a part of a line with Erickson Eck and Cunnan when the Wild were playing their best hockey of the season prior to Erickson Eck's injury. And I thought, wow, hey, we're seeing a guy take the next step. He's He's show, he's becoming more physical. His he made it was like two three plays a night that he would make with his reach, where he would just be like, "Wow, look at what this guy's capable of doing." But then he continues to go through these stretches where it's 
three, four games where you'll walk away and, and not really even remember him being a part of things. And given the opportunity to jump up on the top line, didn't work out and, and wound up being lowered in the lineup. And I will say then when playing on the fourth line the other night against Calgary, it might have been his best game or most visible game in a two-week stretch. Felt like he got the message. Yeah, and, and all of a sudden went to the net. But I, here's what I thought of after I, leaving the Calgary game the other night. And Greenway scored a goal in that game and, and was more visible than he had been. But how about showing him Marcus Foligno's goal in that game? The one where he drives through three guys to the net and finds the loose puck and scores. And show that to a lot of young players, but certainly to a guy that's got the size and strength that Greenway does and says, if Marcus Foligno can do this, why can't Jordan Greenway do this? This kind of tenacity, this kind of just the, the, I am not going to be stopped why not be that? Be that guy every night. Be the guy that winds up in four pileups in the blue paint every single night. And, you know, now all of a sudden your line mates become more dangerous. You've got the ability to bring that, and I, I just think we've got to see it on a more consistent level from him. It does feel like he just does not uh, realize how good he could be, or he could be just going through what a lot of young guys do. I mean, you see this all the time. We, we used to say it with Coyle all the time, with Nino all the time, that these guys just, if they could only be consistent, uh, they'd be heck of a players. And, and so the thing is, can Jordan Greenway bring that out of them? Let me ask you about Zucker. You know, the team's been really up and down since he's been out. I think they're four, five, and one without him. And, you know, we, I've written a lot lately about Bill Guerin and how he is on the record, uh, told me when he came back from visiting Kaprasov, um, that he is going to eventually probably have to tra- trade a top nine winger. Well, your top nine wingers are Zucker, Parisi, Greenway, and Zuccarello, Fiala, and Cunning. And there's only a couple there you'd probably be able to choose from. I, I've got to think, Matt, you know, even though that Zach was in trade rumors this summer and they talked about it, they, they potentially were going to move him. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere. So that leaves only a couple of guys. But a lot of people think it's going to be Zucker which would be ironic since Fenton tried so hard to trade him and didn't get it done, and if all of a sudden Garen did it. But does the way this team has played the last 10 games without Zucker you know, give you any fear about trading somebody that's as fast as him and somebody that could score as well as he can? Well, I mean, I'm always hesitant to trade a guy that I think has proven to be a legitimate top six or even top nine, but for sure, in his case, a top six forward. And But in order to, number one, you're, you're talking about trying to create room to bring a guy over that for sure has to land in the top six. If you're Number one, that's the type of player he is. But number two, if you're going to go anywhere, that guy has to be a part of it in a top six role. And I just think what it shows you is that right now Minnesota's strength is its depth rather than its absolute like one blue chip player when Jason Zucker's in the lineup now all of the lines get better now your your third line is the the geek line with with Greenway Erickson Eck and Cunnan and now your second line can remain intact with Koivu Parisi and Fiala which has turned out to be a very good line for them and so it makes everybody it makes all the lines a little bit better now you got a fourth line that's got Felino on it I mean who's been in Hartman who have been really consistent contributors for this team so I think it's more that than maybe the one individual Jason Zucker it's just that 
more you, what Zucker's right. absence has done to, to the everybody team. else. Right? You because it really wasn't until Zucker got hurt that Bruce changed everything. Right. Like even Which with Spurgeon, yeah, with even right. Spurgeon and Koivu, he he didn't. Everything stayed pretty much. Right. The same. Yeah. He tried to find somebody to go with Parisian Fiala. It changed everybody. But it was when Zucker got hurt right. where everything got and, wholesale And had changed. to just say, you know what, let's throw Zach up on the top yeah. line. Let's just try to load up one line that's a scoring line and, and take our shot. I mean, I think if you take any one of the top, maybe top nine forwards out of the Minnesota lineup, you'd see a similar effect in just that where this team is the strength of this club is that when all those guys are – are playing what we saw from early November to just before Christmas is that boy the lineup was intact it was the same groups every night and and they were the best team in the NHL over that stretch because of it yeah and and we we I mean there was an 11 game point streak and I don't think it's any any shock at all that pretty much after the Tampa game which was one game after uh Koivu and Spurgeon got hurt that ever since they are a 500 team, I mean they are the epitome of of really Minnesota Wild 500. I think they're six six and two since, if if maybe even a little less as well. Um, talking with Anthony Lapanta, uh, joining me on Straight from the Source with Michael Russo again. Uh, Theathletic.com/slash Straight from the Source. If you're not a subscriber, we'll get you in for 40 percent off. I promise you, you will love it. You will love the app. It's uh, absolutely awesome. Dumba, what's going on with Dumba? Boy, I don't know. Uh, his last couple games better. have maybe been better than he's had in a while. I, I haven't really talked to him a lot about it. I sure get the feel like it's a guy that's just pressing. I, I mean, I think it's a guy that he had a great year last year, or the the portion of the year that he played, the twelve goals in thirty two games. I mean, it, it, he was emerging as one of the most explosive offensive defensemen in the National Hockey League, and then when he came out this year, I think he had such a desire to prove to everybody that last year wasn't a fluke. I'm, I'm here. I'm staying. I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to be even better. I'd like to score 30 goals this year. All of that. And whenever that's the case, and then you start out slowly. I mean, think, think about how many times we've seen it when guys are entering a contract year, and all of a sudden they don't, they don't produce the way they have. They start to put pressure on themselves. Holy cow, I have to score. I have to score. I have to score. And I, I get the feel like that's what we're seeing with him. We saw that. I mean, it's been that way ever since. Remember in Chicago and he blew that empty net? It was Chicago, yeah, I think, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, because after the game he was just waiting for us in the locker room. Um, he just – its you could just tell ever since. It's yeah, just, and I, I just think you're watching a guy that the, the old cliche is gripping the stick too yeah. tight. And I think – so now he's putting pressure on himself that, okay, i got to make this play instead of just playing the game and, you know, the other cliche, letting the game come to him, which last year, if you go back and look at it, I mean, he just didn't miss scoring opportunities, but it wasn't like he was – he wasn't carrying the puck from goal line to goal line. and I mean, he was, he was just – the plays that were there to be made, he was making. And so now I think you're just seeing a guy who's pressing a little bit and it's probably in his head and – you know, who knows? Sometimes all it takes is a couple of those pucks to go in, and and then you might see a guy take off on a six goals in ten games yeah, kind of run. Like we and, saw with Fiala, right? And scores a fluky goal against the Blues, and he's right. played well since. Been awesome. Yeah, uh, Eric Stahl uh, just continues to. You know, I thought last game he looked tired, especially in overtime, but he just continues to just uh, excel in his NHL career. Uh, back in the All Star game. I'm doing a story right now. I'm working. I shouldn't scoop myself, but I'm working on a story to run right before the All Star game, asking the question: Is Eric Stahl a Hall of Famer? I would say it's actually uh, probably right now would probably be a no, um, but but that will be the debate in this story. 
Um, really, what 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 really hurts him is his lack of uh, hardware in terms of trophies. Um, you know, some down years, things like that. And remember, it took it took Dino Cicerelli had over 600 goals. It took him a long time to get into the Hall of Fame. 600 used to be the threshold. Now it's in the 550s, and he's still got a ways to go to catch that. But from a professional point of view, have you ever? Um, well, I hate questions like, have you ever seen anybody like him? Yeah. But you've covered a lot of guys as the play-by-play guy with this team. Um, from a respect level, he's got to be as high up as, as anybody that He's right seen. up there for sure. Just a first-class guy mm-hmm. and, and just plays. I mean, it's so refreshing to watch. And what my favorite part of him is, is the way he celebrates every time he scores. Yeah. And, I mean, he celebrates like a kid. He celebrates like either a guy who just scored his first in the NHL or a guy scoring in the seventh game of a Stanley Cup playoff series every single time he puts the puck in the net. And I remember asking him about it a couple of years ago, and he said, you know what? You play the game to score, and it's fun to score, and it's hard to score. And he said, when you score, why wouldn't you celebrate? And and he he turned to me and he said, you go crazy every time we score. And I, and I kind of looked back at him and I was like, well, I feel like if the player is celebrating like that, it's a big deal. And then why wouldn't you celebrate like that on the air as a broadcaster? Yep. You know? I mean, why wouldn't you get excited about it when you, when you watch? And, you know, there, he's not the only one, but he's, he's one of probably the most accomplished that – does things that way. I covered Rob Niedemar in Florida and Brian Murray right in front of me one day. Rob Niedemar scored an amazing goal. And Rob Brian Murray, the GM of that team, the late Brian Murray, comes up to me and goes, uh, Robbie, can you do me a fucking favor? And he's like, what, Brian? And he goes, can you just at least pretend that you like to fucking score? <laughs> it was the funniest line ever. And, it, it, and from that point on, Robbie tried to actually enjoy it more, but he was like, you know, he was the quintessential, like, act like you've been there before when he scored. But you see so many people. I mean, Marcus Foligno had that uh, look the other night when he scored. So a lot of times it's the guys that don't score a lot that try to give that look that it's no big deal. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen Felino score recently where he almost punched his fist <laughs> through the glass. He pounded the glass so hard. Who like, was it? Was it in Phoenix where he destroyed Doobie after the game? It was It was. So- it was somewhere. It was after a win where he like just beat the heck out of a teammate. Like you got to be careful with him. Right. You got to watch out for those celebrations sometimes. Yeah. But that's the cool thing. By the way, I'm doing this. Um. So on January 20th in the Athletic, we have uh, our annual uh, anonymous league poll, and then I'm doing a really cool, funny, hysterical. I'm telling you, you're gonna love it. Uh, January 21st to 22nd, like a team-specific poll, like who would be the worst road roommate? Who's always late? Who's uh, you know your favorite Minnesota sports team out of the watch to watch other than the Wild? Uh, favorite restaurant? But um, in the league poll, uh, again, it's supposed to be anonymous. Uh, one of the questions, it's a really cool question, is who on another team would you want most want to have a beer with? And I'm getting great answers. Joe Thornton's the leader right now. But the funniest one that will clearly not be anonymous in the poll, uh, Jordan and Mark Stahl. <laughs> so, you can yeah, guess you think that, that one, one might be a giveaway? Yeah, that one might be a giveaway. I'm but like, you that's, know, that's a part of how yeah. why he's such a cool guy family to visit guy. with because the and their family is unbelievably close. Yep. And the way that all their I guess you'd call it their nieces and nephews, the next generation of stalls, they're all close to, and they all live 
like right down the street from each yes. other during the summers and they all play together right and the, the way the way Eric rolls his eyes and says you know I always tell look all your kids are welcome to come over but I'm not in charge of any of them I mean it's just <laughs> it's it just seems like it would be such a cool place to go hang out a cool place to for kids to grow up and such a great family and you know as we had a chance to chat with his dad down yeah, in Florida, his, in yep. Tampa, a couple of years ago. What a tremendous guy! Yeah, he Henry is. and uh, and his mom Linda. Right. But to I, have three, yeah. to have sons like achieve what they've achieved, yeah. and yet you talk to him, yeah. and you would think it was just three guys who were really good in the three on three games played in the backyard. Yeah, I'm hoping that on the father-son trip that we're having later in the season to Vancouver and Edmonton that I can uh, sit down with Eric and, and Henry for a nice little podcast. That'd be really fun, like a little father-son podcast. A um, couple more questions on this part of the podcast um, for you. is uh, and, and then, by the way, again, the way that this works is that this uh, part of the podcast that has ads on and things like that on Apple, Spotify, wherever, um, that is uh, abbreviated. And then if you want to listen to the full podcast, um, you listen on the athletic app or the athletic website. Um, Anthony, just a uh, trade deadline is coming up February 24th, I believe. If the team is where it's at now, what do you think Bill Guerin does? I, I don't know. It's really a, a it's hard to get a read for him right now. I mean, I've, I've talked to him a couple times. Just, Plus, he's been gone for like a week and a half. He's been gone, so. but it, like, <laughs> even when you talk to him, I mean, he, every time you talk to him, it's just, yeah, you know, we're, we're evaluating, we're looking, we're, we're talking to everybody. And I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does. I think right now with this club, it would be really hard to, to give away something that was a part of the future, in, or, in, certainly not in a rental type situation. Right. I just don't see, totally agree. I don't see how you, I don't see how that's the right decision with this club. Now, maybe you do something where you can address a need and I hate the, I absolutely hate the term a hockey trade. Yeah. But I could see something like that happen where maybe it's something where both teams just get something that they need yeah. where you, you deal from a position of strength to address a weakness type of deal. And, but I, I think the more I, I, so my guess is it's going to be a fairly quiet trade deadline for Minnesota, maybe a minor deal here or there. But I think what will be really interesting to see is then what happens when the season's over. And, yeah. and, you and I have talked about this. And there, I haven't crossed paths with many guys that I would say seem to be better people than Bill Guerin. And easy to talk to, easy to deal with, honest guy. Everybody likes him. Everybody respects him. Every rink we walk into, the people there want to chat with him. I mean, you can't, you can't fake that stuff. That's a guy that's been a legitimate good guy everywhere he's been in order for people to feel that way about him. But the bottom line is, as a general manager in this league, the true test is how do you build your roster and how do you manage it and how do you create a contender? And we don't know yet. I mean, we have to wait to see. what he He's inherited this roster, really hasn't done anything to it. I think he's been a big part of changing and improving the culture Absolutely. around the club without yeah. a doubt. I talked to Matt Make about that on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, or last week actually, about how just it does seem like you know just kind of getting that tension away from the team. Yeah, and, and I think he's he's been great with that, and and that's that's a part of things. But you know now you have you have to show that you can build a roster, and I think we'll see what. I'm really anxious to see how he goes about that. I don't doubt for a minute that he'll be really good at that because he also seems like the type of guy that will. My guess will be he'll be the type of GM that surrounds himself with people that have opinions that he trusts, doesn't necessarily agree with, but trusts. 
and will listen to those around him. I, I think he looks like and seems like the type of guy that isn't going to walk into a room and say, I have all the answers, here's what we're doing. And I think those are the guys that are most likely to survive long-term in this league. And uh, by the way, when I said that he was away from the team for a week and a half, he was just uh, scouting the World Junior Championships. Now he's down in Florida um, having uh, for uh, midseason scouting meetings and things like that, which is interesting because it was after those scouting meetings last year that the Wild had about a week and a half, two weeks from now. Um, where all of a sudden Paul Fenton started to make his mark on the uh, team. He, he um, acquired uh, Brad Hunt. He, he acquired uh, Pontus Aberg. He acquired Anthony Boteto, uh, acquired Victor Rask, and then eventually a month later um, acquired Ryan Donato and Kevin Fiala. Uh, some of those moves look really good right now. I mean, Fiala looks like he absolutely has a chance. Uh, he is starting to realize how good he can be. And he's starting to play really well for this team. And, and one hopes that eventually he breaks out to being a true dominant uh, stud. We're starting to see that a lot lately, the way that he's playing. Yeah, it's well, and you talked about it. He Sometimes it just takes a fluky goal. I also think that the fact that he was scratched a couple times, and remember when he was scratched and Bruce Boudreaux just simply made the comment that what my message to him was, was that we think you're capable of more. And we think you can bring more. And he has. I mean, he's he's been he's been a different player, and not just because of the points that he's been posting, but when you watch him play, he's playing the game at a pace that I never thought was possible from him. Based on watching the last twenty games of last season, I really wondered if he would ever if he'd ever be able to play it at the pace he's playing right now. it's And, you know, he came back in great shape this year, had lost a few pounds, and, and I think that's maybe starting to show right now. We're seeing that he's, he's He lost being, a lot of weight. He's being rewarded yep. for, a, for working his tail off to get himself ready to play this season. But I just think right now he looks like an unbelievably confident player, and the, he's possessing the puck, he's making plays, he's been more disciplined, he's been more careful with the puck, he's been more responsible, and because of it, he's been rewarded. He's, he's got a more significant role in the lineup, and, and he's been playing great hockey. I'm doing, uh, and we're going to end this part of the podcast, but I'm doing that uh, team-specific poll, and that one, are, uh, that one does have on-the-record quotes, and they are hysterical. Like, one of the questions is, um, what, who would be the worst road roommate that you have on this team? And there's one player on this team absolutely running away with it. But Felino had a good one. I think it was Felino that said uh, he, he would choose Fiala because all he'd be doing would be FaceTiming with his girlfriend. So <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty funny and pretty true uh, from what I've seen as well. Um, again, Anthony LaPanta, thanks for joining this episode of Straight from the Source. When we come back uh, for the extended version on the Athletic app, I want to ask you some really fun questions, just like you know, your favorite place to call a game, your favorite road city, your favorite arena, your favorite road restaurant. Um, also want to ask you about the candy store. That uh, There was a funny story story that you told it's thank god it's a funny story not a tragic story but on the last podcast that you're on about the car accident that you were in with gorg and there was a funny detail that you left out of that that uh came up the next day in the press room in nashville that i want to get talking about so um if you are listening to this version of the podcast anywhere you get your podcast uh please don't forget to rate and subscribe to straight from the source on apple if you click on the show url which is the athletic.com slash straight from the source you'll get 40 percent off your subscription to the athletic and you'll get to hear an extended version of this podcast with Anthony LePanta and myself only on TheAthletic.com. Oh, 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 oh,